Chapter 48. The crowd was so loud, Fang almost jumped. The kids were all on their feet now, and Fang motioned to the others to stand up. Reluctantly, Fang's gang joined the chant. Save the planet! Kill the humans! Whoa! Holden said next to Fang, scanning the crowd. When we got here, everyone looked weird and happy, but pretty normal, you know? Now look around. Fang quickly studied the gathered assembly. Oh my god... Maya said slowly. Where did they come from? I guess they must have been drawn in by the crowd, Thing replied. They must have been hiding their freakiness at first. Kind of like you and I hide our wings sometimes. We're different, but we're okay, said Star. But these guys... What happened to them? Kate asked. The same thing that happened to us? Will we become like that? One of every ten kids in the audience was genetically altered. Growing up in the school, trapped in their dog crates, Fang and the flock had seen lots of genetic combinations that didn't turn out as cute kids sporting big wings, and he was seeing it again, right here. They weren't horrible disasters. They could breathe and walk and talk. Some of them looked even pretty human, except for, say, scaly skin or lizard eyes or claws for hands. But others were definitely freakish and a bunch of them looked as though their combinations were not meshing entirely and breaking down. "'Will you join me in a song?' Beth asked over the frenzied roar. She stood center stage and began to sing. Gradually, the audience stopped chanting and began singing. "'I don't know where I was going. I don't know where I'd come from. But then one day, I got the message that I could save the world. The one light has shown me the way, because we're Gen 77. The skies will be blue, the seas will be green.' But to get there, the blood must the blood must flow red. We will become less. We will become more. We'll kill all the humans, and we'll save the world. Cheerful little ditty, Fang said. Maya nodded solemnly as she sang along. Then, a noise overhead made Fang look up, in time to see thousands of colorful flyers dropping out of a helicopter. One floated close to him, and he snatched it out of the air. The Enhanced People's Manifesto, he read. All around him, the crowd began chanting, Save the planet! Kill the humans! Save the planet! Kill the humans! On stage, Beth beamed lovingly. Chapter 49 Back at the hotel, Fang poured over the manifesto. I can't believe they're saying this stuff in black and white, Kate said, her eyes wide. Can't they be arrested for this? Holden asked. Fang frowned. I don't know. They could say it's just talk not an actual threat. There's no evidence that they're really prepared to do any of it. Maya waved the manifesto in the air. Do we need more evidence than flyers saying they're going to kill everyone? It's all right here. Fang sighed. I know. The manifesto fit on the front of a single sheet of paper, but it was a doozy. It stated that the Doomsday Group planned to take over several countries, kill their populations, and then repopulate them with enhanced people, the so-called 77th generation. It said that the apocalypse was coming, no news there, and offered tips about what to do when it hit. It talked about a dark period of chaos and peril that would give way to a paradise in which all enhanced people would live together in peace and harmony. I'm not so sure, Maya said. Not unless everyone's going to be tranquilized forever. They might just be, Fang cautioned, and she frowned. If they've managed to brainwash this many people, then who knows? They could easily tranquilize whole populations. Look at this, Star said, pointing. They really do mean only enhanced people. 
It says here that people who fly shouldn't risk landing on top of tall buildings. Those of you who might lay eggs, Kate read, will need to prepare a safe incubation container. Go to our website for resources. Oh my god, these people are crazy. There were truckloads of those Gen 77 kids at the rally, Ratchet said. I've never seen so many freaks in one place. Welcome to my world, said Feng. Okay, we need more info. Like, when all this is supposed to happen, for instance? Maya rested her head on her hand. Do you think Armageddon can wait till morning? I'm wiped. Eyes closed, brown hair tilted over her shoulders. Maya looked more like Max than ever. But Feng could now see minute differences. The way Maya tilted her head. The way her voice dropped instead of rising at the end of a question. True, Max and Maya were much more alike than they were different. But Feng was starting to think of Maya as truly being a unique person, in and of herself, instead of just a copy of Max. It was weird. Feng had loved Max for so long that it almost disturbed him to think about any other girl at all. He closed his eyes for a moment, feeling bone-tired and confused. He'd thought taking out this doomsday group would be a good mission, a worthwhile project for him and his gang, and he was right. But after today, he had to admit an uncomfortable truth. As much as he'd want to operate on his own, this mission was way too big for him and five new recruit members, only one of whom had any real fighting experience. Preventing the destruction of the whole population of people was simply beyond the scope of his gang. That left him just one option. Feng opened his bleary eyes, scanning the room until he found the clock. Past midnight. Getting yelled at by Max would have to wait until morning. Chapter 50 I woke up feeling warm on one side and cold on the other. The warm side rested against Dylan, and the cold side faced the open desert which was aglow and pink from the sunrise. I decided to get the fire started for the others. I untangled myself from Dylan, getting the usual feeling of embarrassment and confusion that I often had about him. But I'm not great at thinking about mushy stuff, so I pushed it out of my mind and scooted over to the fire. Automatically, I did a head count, like I'd done just about every day for as long as I can remember. Gazzy, Nudge, Dylan, Angel, Iggy, Total... Ella? No, Ella. I jumped to my feet and surveyed the area. No Ella. Her footsteps led away from us, but the desert wind was so efficient and the ground so hard and dry that her trail disappeared. I cursed under my breath. Max? Angel said softly. What's this? She pointed to the ground, where words had been scratched into the hard dirt. I was meant to have wings. Ella. We should have hobbled her, Total said, getting to his feet. Or at least tied her shoelaces together. Then it hit me. Oh my god, she's going back to the facility, I said. Come on, if we hurry, maybe we'll be able to reach her before she finds those kids again. Or before she gets lost and ends up fraying herself in the desert. Let's go. My team was mobilizing when my hip pocket vibrated. This might be her, I said, and flipped my phone open. Max, a voice said, and my breath caught in my throat. Don't hang up. Numbly, I brought the phone down from my ear and closed it. Then I sat on a rock, my blood so cold that it moved sluggishly through my veins. Nudge said, Max? Dylan came and sat next to me and put his hand on my knee. I pushed it off. My phone rang again, the dull vibration sounding like a buzzsaw in the silence. Max? Who is it? Nudge asked. What's wrong? My guess would be Fang, Dylan said, his voice flat. I looked up to see Nudge's surprised face. 
Iggy, Angel, and Gazzy all looked at me sympathetically, like they expected me to wuss out. My phone vibrated. Gritting my teeth, I flipped it open. What? I said tightly. Don't hang up, said Fang. I'm in the middle of something here, I said. Is this important? Only if you consider saving the world important, said Fang. Which, I guess, you usually have. I didn't say anything. Look, I'm in San Diego, said Fang. I need you guys to come here. My eyebrows shot up to my hairline. I still didn't say anything. Fang sighed. Max, I know you're mad. I know things are messed up between us. I know there's no reason in the world for you to trust me or bother coming here. And believe me, I'm not trying to mess with you or make you feel worse. I'm not playing games. But I've stumbled into something huge. Something very bad. And I think we only have days to stop it. I wish I could do it by myself, but I can't. I wish I didn't have to ask you for help, but I do. Come to San Diego. Please. His voice was like salt being rubbed into my wounded heart. It literally made my pain worse. I couldn't believe he was doing this. I tried to swallow, but I felt like I had a big rock in my throat. I didn't trust myself to speak. He was the only person in the world who could get me this way. The only one. With horror, I felt that hot, prickly feeling behind my eyes that signaled tears were coming. I'd cried more in the past year than I had in all 14 years before. I was tired of crying. Tired of crying over Fang. Dylan shifted impatiently in front of me. I looked up at his face and was surprised to realize that he felt a confusing mix of anger and hurt and caution. I had all the power to hurt Dylan's feelings, and I felt like I had no power over Fang at all. I swallowed. Oh yeah? I said, and congratulated myself on how casual I sounded. There was a pause. Fang was speechless. Good. Yes. He said finally. Will you come? Will you bring the flock? I'm at the Crescent Bay Hotel on Market Street, downtown. I can explain everything when you get here. We're pretty busy, I hedged. Max, the doomsday group has to be stopped. Feng said forcefully. I sat up straight, my jaw dropping. The doomsday group? Book 3. Paris is Burning. Chapter 51. The flock voted to go join Fang in San Diego, rather than stay here to look for Ella. I did not exercise my executive veto. It made sense that we should try to cut off the head of the monster, instead of attempting to rescue one small escaped mouse. But the thought of Ella going back to those weirdos? The thought of someone experimenting on her? Or worse, grafting wings onto her? Sickened me. I cursed myself the whole way to San Diego. We got there in the late afternoon. Feng had called again and said to meet him at the hotel restaurant. This news was met with loud cheers, since, of course, everyone was starving. When we got there, I did something completely out of character. I stopped off at the ladies' room, yanked a brush through my snarls, washed my hands and face, and put on a relatively clean shirt from my backpack. When I came out, six pairs of eyes were staring at me like I'd turned into a porcupine. What? I snapped defensively. You look fine said Nudge, giving me a little smile. I have no idea what you're talking about, I said frostily. I don't know what I expected to see. I guess the same old thing I'd always known. The one with scruffy hair and dark clothes. The one with the crooked smile and midnight eyes. The one who'd broken my heart so, so badly. I scanned the restaurant quickly, doing an automatic 360, in case, 
I don't know, some erasers or flyboys or dumbbots hadn't gotten the memo that they'd been retired. Instead, I saw a tall, dark figure standing up, looking right at me. I clenched my teeth, tried to look expressionless, and led the flock over. Then I saw he wasn't alone. Four teenagers were sitting at his table, watching us alertly. These were probably members of the Fang fan club. Max, Fang said, reaching a hand out to me, then changing his mind and letting it drop to his side. Thanks for coming. We looked into each other's eyes for a long minute, as if trying to peer into each other's brains, trying to read the subtext and unspoken words. Then an irritated cough came from behind me, and Fang's eyes shot over to Dylan. A tiny, almost imperceptible wrinkle appeared between Fang's dark brows. Dylan, he said evenly. I see you're still hanging around. Yep, Dylan said. Hey guys, Fang said to the rest of them, his face softening. Thanks for coming. I felt the others hesitating, so I turned and forced a smile at Nudge and Angel. It's okay, I said. You can hug him, or whatever. Then I plopped down in an empty chair and studied his new group, our replacements. There was a tiny, blonde, cold-looking girl, a really pretty Asian girl with hair I'd kill for, and I'm not even that girly, a guy with headphones and some sweet sunglasses, a scrawny kid who looked friendly, if a little beat up. Only one person was missing. Max, my voice said from behind me. I spun around, only to see myself looking down at me with a slight sneer I knew all too well. Gee, I haven't seen you since you tried to kill me, she said. Her smile was snarky, and I saw a couple of Fang's gangs straighten in their seats. The not-too-surprising thing was that Dylan was studying Max too, then me, while Fang glared at Dylan. Max too kept her eyes locked on me. This was going to be interesting. Chapter 52 If by interesting I meant uncomfortable, awkward, infuriating, and horrible, then yes, it was going to be most interesting. I met Max too's eyes coolly. I distinctly remember totally not trying to kill you. I just couldn't believe it. I'd been so miserable since Fang had left, crying in the shower, crying up in trees, not sleeping, losing weight. So pathetic that they'd made me go to my mom's house. And in the meantime, Fang had quickly replaced us, gotten a haircut, bought some new clothes. He looked perfectly fine. I clenched my fist under the table. Plus, he'd totally replaced me with me. It was so unfair. Anyway, I said, give me the scoop and a menu. Over the next half hour, Fang told us all the stuff they'd found out about the Doomsday Group, about the rally and Beth and the One Light. We told them about how DG fever was sweeping Arizona, how fast it was spreading. I also told him about seeing the weird computer guy out in the middle of the desert. Fang frowned. So basically, these people are talking mass destruction, said Dylan. They've managed to alter who knows how many people, he gestured to Fang's gang, and to brainwash even more. But where did they come from? We don't know, Fang said curtly, not looking at him. That's what we've been saying. I saw Dylan's jaw set. Yeah? Is that what you've been saying? I must have missed that part. I thought you were still comparing pointless details. Hey, wait a minute! Digging Fang was supposed to be my job. We're here to make a difference, Dylan continued. So, let's get to the point. The mission. Fang's eyes flashed, and the energy that passed between him and Dylan could have made a hot dog sizzle. Gosh, guys are so cute with that alpha male stuff. It's adorable. I agree, Max 2 jumped in. 
and somehow I felt like she was trespassing on my territory. The question is, are we going to join forces? Yeah, Max, I said snidely. That's a good idea. Put our two happy little families together, then sit back and watch the fireworks. She looked at me matter-of-factly. My name isn't Max, it's Maya. Maya? You're kidding, right? Now, I'm not saying I'm not usually obnoxious, because actually, I admit that I usually am. But I don't think I'm usually this obnoxious. At least, not to someone who wasn't a white coat or some other misguided, controlling grown-up. Max slash Maya blushed, and I could tell she was clenching her fist under the table. Shut up, she said. Who asked you? I stood up so fast my chair tipped backward. The other Max, I mean, Maya, stood up fast too. I was ready to punch someone's lights out. Catfight! The guy wearing the shade snickered, and the icy blonde girl elbowed him in the ribs, but she was smiling. Dylan pushed back his chair, watching us carefully. Gazzy paused, his fork halfway to his mouth, as if gauging how many bites he could take before a battle broke out. Max, Thang said firmly, we're not going to do this. Not here, not now. Dylan frowned. Don't tell her what to do. This is all your fault anyway. Fang glanced at Dylan as angrily as I looked at Maya. Come on, Max. Fang said, throwing down his napkin. Let's take this outside. You and me. It's time to settle this. Fine, I said, turning and stomping out the door. It was about time. Chapter 53 The small park next to the hotel was practically empty, and I quickly found a place to take off. I soared into the sky, my heart racing with adrenaline. I was so hyped up and flooded with emotion that it felt fantastic to burn off some energy, heat dissipating through my wings. My strong primary and secondary feathers made effortless adjustments as I banked and turned, and within a minute, I was a couple thousand feet up in the sky, in the wild blue yonder, as they say, where there was no sound except the wind rushing past my ears. Nothing in my way. Nothing holding me back. I didn't even turn to see if Fang was following me. I figured he probably stayed behind with his new little wingless gang. I was so angry and hurt and upset that I didn't even know what to say to him. We'd had arguments before, of course, and knockdown, down drag-out fights, but not too much recently. Not since we'd... So what's the deal? Came Fang's cross voice behind me. I did a fast spin break and faced him as we each rose up and down with the beat of our wings. You're asking me? I said, incredulous. I thought you were running everything. You decided to leave. You decided I should come back. You decided we should have this out. I'm just your audience. You've never been just an audience, Fang snapped. You know I did the right thing by leaving. You're just too bullheaded to admit it. You know we need to work together to fight the Doomsday Group, but you'd rather flit around with your hurt feelings. And you know that you should have left Dylan behind in Arizona, but you'd rather throw him in my face. I was so stunned I couldn't think straight. I so did not agree that Fang had done the right thing by leaving. I don't believe I've ever flitted anywhere in my life. And how was I supposed to leave Dylan anywhere? I didn't control him, and he seemed to have a homing device locked in on me anyway. I finally closed my mouth before I started swallowing bugs. Throw him in your face? He's stuck to me like glue. How could I not bring him with me? Besides, you're the one posting cutesy videos of you and my stand-in online. How is that not throwing her in my face? She's not your stand-in, Fang roared. She's a unique individual. It's not her fault she looks like you. In my whole life, 
I couldn't remember being more furious with anyone who wasn't a total enemy. I was practically spitting. Well, it's not my fault that Dylan imprinted on me. And you know what? He's the only one who hasn't left me. Why would I give that up? Fang's face blanched, and even I was shocked at what I'd said. We simply stared at each other, rising and falling, the air currents lifting us up like waves in the ocean. Fang was breathing hard, his teeth clenched so tight that even his lips were white. I was so upset and pumped with adrenaline that I felt like I might throw up. Such a bummer that would be for anyone below me. I don't even know how long it was before Fang swallowed, coughed, and then said, The Doomsday Group is bigger than this. Bigger than us. Do you agree that we should both try to fight it? His voice was a little ragged now, but calmer. I took several deep breaths. It would probably be best if we both fought it, I said stiffly. Fang nodded, some of the color returning to his face. Please tell Dylan to go back to Arizona. This isn't a fight for newbies. And just like that, I was furious again. Newbies? I exclaimed. Like your little team of high schoolers down there? They can't even freaking fly. At least Dylan can kick butt in battle. I trust him with my back before I trust any of the kids in the Fang show. Fang opened his mouth to yell back, but stopped himself with effort. Maya is a good fighter, he said finally. Yes, I am, I said sharply. Again, his eyes blazed and his mouth opened, but again, he controlled himself. Again, his eyes blazed and his mouth opened, but again, he controlled himself. He let out a deep breath. She's not you, he said quietly. She really is a different person. I crossed my arms over my chest. I'm not asking Dylan to go. Feng's fist clenched. We need Maya on our side. Minutes of silence. If we hadn't been 2,000 feet in the air, we would have heard crickets chirping. I stared at him as if we were strangers, brown eyes looking into black. So, where does that leave us? Feng said. It leaves us with Dylan and Maya, all of us fighting the DG together, I said, as revolting as that sounds. Feng nodded stiffly and held out one hand. I almost snorted, but reached out and shook it. We had an agreement. As we flew back down to the restaurant, all I could think was, what happened to us? Hey, and thanks for listening to another episode of Maximum Crime, a Maximum Bootleg Audiobook Podcast thing. I am your Olive at Marky, and no announcements this week, so let's jump right into the recommendation for this week. This week's recommendation is the songwriter, artist, singer, guy, Tom Cardi. He got really popular on TikTok there for a bit. I don't use TikTok, but I get them peer-reviewed and sent to me <laughs> by other people. But he specializes in comedy storytelling songs, which are fun. The one that I've been playing on loop for like the past week straight is Red Flags, but I also really like Mixed Messages and The Ballad of Smoke and Joe Rude Boy. Kind of hard to describe his genre. It's kind of... His songs are kind of poppy, but they're also very, very silly, which I enjoy. I really like comedy songs, so he's a really good person to listen to for that. But that is the artist Tom Cardi, and I will put a link in the show notes to his Spotify page. I think most of his popular songs are actually on TikTok, and he doesn't quite have all of them on Spotify yet, but I don't want to go to TikTok. <laughs> so Spotify will do for now. But yeah, go check him out.
If you want to get in contact with me, you can email me at MaximumCrimePod at gmail.com or hit me up on my Tumblr over at Maximum-Crime-Pod. And if you want to leave a rating or review, that would be super cool of you to do. Alrighty, that's all I got to say for this week. So, until next time, fly on. Fly on.